Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. We read from 1 Chronicles chapter 12. The numbers of the armed troops who came to David at Hebron to turn Saul's kingdom over to him, according to the Lord's word, were as follows. From the tribe of Issachar, men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. We pray. These are your words, Heavenly Father. Sanctify us by your truth. Your word is truth. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. In the name of Jesus Christ, dear fellow redeemed. Like the men of Issachar, we want to and we need to understand the times. I'm called to be a faithful pastor, faithful to the word of God, and faithful to the members, especially when we're considering the times in which we live. As I mentioned at the beginning of the service, this is going to be a sermon series. This is the first one. And today's theme is as falsehood spirit, as falsehood spirit wide has spread and error boldly rears its head. That comes from a hymn 511 in our hymnary. It's a beautiful hymn. And uh, the entire hymn emphasizes the church and Christians under attack, a struggling church in very disturbing times, a church that is in need of perseverance and hope and strength, which can be and will be provided by the Word of God. This hymn was written at the time of the Reformation, latter part of the Reformation, end of the 16th century by a couple of rather famous, uh, at least one famous Lutheran confessor, maybe the other one contributed the first two stanzas as well, we're not sure. Uh, but this was a time when it was you know, difficult to be a Lutheran. In fact, it was illegal in some parts of the Roman Empire. You could actually be put to death for sincerely believing and confessing uh, certain biblical truths and practices. Uh, so it was a difficult time when they wrote this hymn. Or, as we say in that same hymn, they were days of sore distress. We here at St. Timothy we're, we're a church that confesses and strives to abide by the Holy Bible. But we do so in times that are increasingly difficult, where falsehood spirit wide has spread and error boldly rears its head. In fact, in the history of this nation, we have never seen such evil and falsehood and errors. And so the question is, what, what do we do? But before I answer that, I want to make sure that we're all on the same page. 
or at least understand why I say what I'm saying here. So let me uh, share with you uh, a number of events, examples, beliefs now found in America that uh, make it pretty clear that we're in a very different culture compared to not too long ago. Well, some of you may be familiar with that commercial from years ago. This is not your father's Oldsmobile. It kind of applies here now. This is not our father's culture. It's different. So here are some examples. In the 1970s, 90% of the people here identified as Christians. That number is now down to 63%. The fastest growing religion among us is, is that religion where people are saying they have no religion. 21%. It used to be only 2% that said that. Church attendance through the mid-1980s was 70% or more. And now it's 47%. Today, the vast majority of children are not raised in any religion. So we have this great shift. At the beginning of the 20th century, over 100 years ago, the divorce rate was 5%. And then starting in the 70s and later, up until today, it's hovering around 50%. 5% to 50%. That's, a, that's a, quite a shift. In 1964, only 6% of children grew up in single-parent homes. Today, that number is 25 to 30%. And in larger cities like Chicago, it's close to 70% a shift. In 1989, around 83% of Americans were opposed to same-sex marriage. The most recent polls indicate it's coming close to just the opposite. 70% now support same-sex marriage, including 85% of young people. A shift. The percentage of people identifying as LGBTQ among millennials in other words, ages 21 to about 39, is, is 30%. In the age group just below that, Generation Z, the percentage is almost 40%. It's a huge increase in just 10 years. Again, this, this shift. Today, in almost every state, there is a battle in K through 12 schools whether students should not only be taught about the LGBTQ ideology, but also whether teachers and the curriculum should affirm those, including children who want to identify as such, very often without parental notification. This never would have been imagined 25 years ago. And add to that, mutilation of body parts by surgeons and prescribing hormones 
is being done so people can more easily adjust to their claimed transgender identity. Even young teenage children are having this done. It has become the new and medically approved fad. This has never happened on such a wide scale and with the approval of so many professionals. Now, too many years ago, drag queens, men who dressed up as women in flamboyant and suggestive clothing, would perform lewd dances in sleazy bars in large cities. Back then, they were considered obscene or laughingstock at best. Today, drag queens in the same dress are found at storytelling hours in public libraries reading books to young children. Or they are invited to other places, billed as family-friendly venues, where they dance for children, and where children are sometimes asked to, to join them. Last year, there was a drag queen who preached and taught at a uh, Lutheran church in the Chicago area, including having the children come up for uh, a children's sermon. Today, a person can be judged and found guilty in the court of public opinion or in schools and colleges for a sin their grandparents, great-grandparents, or great-great-grandparents may have committed, even though the person himself did not commit or approve of the sin. Or he could be found guilty because of the color of his skin or his sex, even though neither he nor any of his ancestors participated or, or were even around when that particular sin was committed. People are told to acknowledge their guilt and complicity simply based on their skin color. We used to call this racism. Now, I want us to notice two things. First, what we have here are not only changes, but most importantly, a shift in thinking, in beliefs, or to put it another way, it changes in worldviews, how people view life, right and wrong, good and bad, acceptable and unacceptable, good and evil. But second, these beliefs, this acceptance of a different way of thinking, a different worldview, a worldview that goes by the numerous names like wokeism or critical theory, cultural Marxism, this worldview is in conflict with biblical teachings and the Christian worldview. And also, in many cases, these changes that I noted are in conflict with 
the beliefs that most people in most societies throughout history have readily accepted as normal and good and common sense, regardless of whether they were Christians. The Bible teaches, and most people throughout history have understood that marriage ought to be a lifelong union. The Bible teaches, and all societies throughout history until the 21st century have understood that marriage is to be between a male and a female. You can find societies where homosexuality and even transgenderism were tolerated or accepted to some degree, but even in those societies, marriage was always and only between a man and a woman. The Bible teaches and people throughout history have understood that children not only should have, but also need a father and a mother. That is God's design, is common sense. The Bible teaches, and most people throughout history have understood, that one is born either male or female. And they would remain male or female throughout their lives. Male and female, he created them. God created them. Two distinct, two distinct sexes and only two. It's part of what we call God's created order. We have come a long way in a short period of time. But we want to clarify what is going on from the perspective of God's word. What has moved in among us today and even embedded itself? What it's called in the Bible is simply heresy or false teachings. That is the Christian perspective and that is reality. And the Bible also tells us where these heresies and false teachings come from. Jesus says they come from the father of lies, from Satan. They are satanic lies. These heresies and false teachings are not everywhere, but, but they are found in enough places and places that count. We find them in legislation here, in court decisions there. We find them in social media platforms here and on the news media there. We find them promoted by a small business here and a larger corporation over there. We find them taught in a school district here and by most colleges and universities everywhere. Why? What is Satan trying to do with his heresies, his teachings, and his lies? Well, for one thing, he is trying to prevent non-Christians from entering into the kingdom of God, from repenting of real sin and believing in Jesus as the Messiah who has taken away the sin of the world. And with Christians, 
He is using these lies to tempt us away from the kingdom of God, away from the truth of God's word, away from Christ, away from the church where Christ is to be found. And he's been very successful. Many have left the church. But if he cannot tempt us away from our Christian faith, he is at least trying to silence us so we do not speak the truth or speak out against the lies. And we have to admit he's been pretty successful at that as well. We're silent more often than we should be. And if he cannot silence us, then he will make our lives quite miserable. We will suffer persecution. So this is what he's up to. Tempting us to abandon Christ, to silence us, or to punish us. And we ran into a similar thing when it came to evolution, and we still do. If it was found out that we believed in a six-day creation and that the universe is quite young and not billions of years old, we've been called stupid, unscientific, and maybe they felt sorry for us. It's kind of the same now, but worse. Today, if certain people find out we hold to the biblical teachings that I've just described, they have no qualms labeling us or calling us intolerant, bigoted, hateful, and even evil. In other words, they attack the soul. It's one thing to be called stupid, but it's even worse to be called evil. It's hard to take. So, we are living in challenging days, more so than in the past. And we must understand this. But I also extend a caution to all of us. What is happening to us, in one sense, is not new or surprising. St. Paul said, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. St. Peter put it this way, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But here's another caution as well. We are to remember we have enemies not only out there, Satan and his lies and the sinful world, but we also have the enemy within. We have our flesh, 
and the sins that proceed from there and manifest themselves in thoughts, words, and deeds. Sins we are to repent of daily. So you might say in one sense, we, we can't win in this life. But in another sense, we do win. Not by our own strength, but by the powerful word of God. Or as our hymn put it that we just sang, thy strong word. Thy strong word bespeaks us righteous, bright with thine own holiness, glorious now. We press toward glory and our lives, our hopes confess. My human reason my human strength, my determination, my wisdom cannot create or maintain or strengthen my faith in Christ. The word of God and the Holy Spirit alone do that, and they will. Now, there's much more to say, but we will save that for the next two weeks or so where we will talk more about some of these false teachings, where they are found, whether they have anything to do with politics or work or education. We'll talk about the amazing helps that God provides for us along the way. And very importantly, we will talk about how to love those dear to us and our enemy who opposes us as we seek to bring them out of darkness into the light of the kingdom of Christ, into his love, his forgiveness, his joy, his peace, his eternal life. But for now, all of you rest in God's strong word, which brings to you the Almighty King, who speaks forgiveness to all your sins, who by his mighty word and sacraments provides you with all the grace you need, grace that is freely given and which you have by faith. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and shall be forevermore. Amen. And now may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.